Productions. Yes! Welcome back to Go Deep the Podcast, a member of Go Deep Productions, where we have an opinion like we have a clue. Thank you for coming back. And here's your host, John Nothing Doe. Oh yeah, it's another beautiful day. And when I say beautiful day, it's probably raining. And if it's not raining, it's sunshine. Good for you, you asshole. You got it good. Welcome back to Go Deep Productions version of Go Deep the Podcast. I'm John Nothing Fucking Doe, and you already know that by now. We're on episode 2,205,000, and on the show today, we have a very fun individual, and by fun, I mean the colonel. How are you, pal? I'm fine, sir. Fine. <laughs> Splendid. You're just keeping it basic. You're like, I don't know what you're going to say, so I'm just going to keep it like to two or three syllable answers. Got it. <laughs> uh, also on the show... We have the guy that can't uh, decipher between rubber and latex. The one and only Motorsports Mofo. How are you, pal? I'm happy to be here. <laughs> you know, just, just from our last episode, uh, John, I just want to say that if you've ever been to the sundowner, you'll always see the sun come up. <laughs> oh, you know, it's a positive way of looking at it. At least you're getting to see the sun right after you got to see the moon all night. Well, you'll usually be positive when you come out of the sundowner. Oh, well, yeah. Either that or tired. <laughs> I, I need an explanation here. I just don't know what the sundowner is. Maybe, maybe off, off uh, after the cast, you can enlighten me. It's the Rippers. That's a good cat. That's a good cover there. Colonel. Yeah. I've never heard of it. Yeah. We walk in there with him and he's got like, uh, oh, look who it is. It's the Colonel. And everybody's like, hey. And the whole room erupts. Uh, we know how you operate uh, there, Colonel. <laughs> flying under the radar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I must be in deep now. <laughs> <laughs> the only person that tries to pretend they're flying under the radar is G.I. Joe. And that's only because he's clueless because half the time his mind is not with us. But. On that note, I love you, G.I. Joe. Should have been here, prick. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's get this bad boy started. So before we go into the main body of our podcast, we have a segment where we have it powered by ChatGBT. And basically, we're going to f- ask you a couple questions that we've already got predetermined. However, MoFo and the Colonel have no clue what's coming to them. And much like MoFo, even if you told him, he still wouldn't know what's coming. So... I just wanted to be known that I didn't sign up for this abuse. You took it, and you love it. And much like your wife, you'll call me back. So, <laughs> the slaps are flying high today. Oh, Jesus Christ. I uh, haven't had a drink yet today. Brutality, brutality. <laughs> so, we're going to start with you, Colonel. What is your favorite book, movie, TV show, or Pornhub clip? Uh, okay. Um, favorite TV show is, uh, on Fox at 9 p.m. Weekdays, Sean Hannity. The guy is fantastic. Um, does a terrific job. That's all I got to say. And I don't know him personally. I wish I did. But from everything I do know about him, a really nice guy. Um, favorite movie, Grand Prix, 1967. Without a doubt. Fantastic movie. All right. All right. And you don't have anything to elaborate on your favorite porn uh, hub clip? Maybe like a little, uh, what's that chick? Mia Khalifa or something? 
Uh, no, I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> There's so, been a lot of them. There's been a lot of them. How do I pick one? Okay, well, we're not going to ask preferences, whether height or other bodily anatomies are your interest. So uh, <laughs> we're going to move on to MoFo here. Where am I? Yeah, <laughs> you're not getting out of this. I don't care if your wife listens or not. So <laughs> what are sports MoFo? Yes. We're going to ask you the same question we asked the colonel and simply said it was, what is your favorite book? I don't think you read, just judging by your look, movie, <laughs> TV show, or uh, Pornhub episode. And I'm sure you're very thorough with your searches there. And why? I'm not a big book reader, to be honest. Um, I'm trying to remember. You know, there, there was a book I read a number of years ago, and this was after uh, Dale Earnhardt was killed. Michael Waltrip wrote the book. And I want to say it's like Life in the Fast Lane. or I'd have to honestly look the book up. And it was a book written by Michael Waltrip, and it was pertaining to... Dale Earnhardt's crash at Daytona and the the plane ride home with uh, Kenny Schrader. Anyway, I'm not a big, big book reader, but I remember reading that book. I remember wanting to read the book. It's like you obviously know Titanic is going to sink. You don't have to see the movie, but it was still a good read. Um, just seeing Michael Waltrip's perspective, firsthand perspective on it and reaccount of the whole process. So, again, I'd have to look up the name of the book, but on the fly that, that that would be i guess like my favorite book that I've, I've read that i can recall i'm impressed i think gi joe's favorite book is where's waldo or magic the illusion <laughs> <laughs> the uh favorite movie favorite movie ah oh, shit you know i know we we talked about this one a while back pertaining to favorite movie um I can't remember what I had listed them, but off the top of my head, I think I it would be a cross between Vanishing Point and American Graffiti. I okay. think I would go with American Graffiti, and I like American Graffiti because I feel like I, I feel like it, it, it captured a moment in time, and any car guy can relate to it. And it just it was a simplistic film. It was a film that. <sighs> Of a more innocent time. Yeah, of a more innocent time pre, you know, the internet and, and things that really, you know, now are in our day-to-day -day life that really when you think about it, you could probably live without and be a lot less stress in your life. So American Graffiti, um, favorite porn hip porn hub. <laughs> really put me on the spot here. Um, Not your favorite position, which is a rim shot. <laughs> <laughs> Slaps keep flying. Um, you. Not not a particular favorite, but I'm a fan of a redhead. Okay, mm -hmm. can't hate you for that. Thank you. There's that's uh, the colonel likes blonde. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you for participating in that. And because you guys did it, I'll I'll do the same. Um, I can't remember the last book I read, and I know it wasn't Where's Waldo or Where's Carmen San Diego. Um, I I really can't. I think. It's so weird. I remember, actually, there is a book I remember, and it had a lasting impact on me, and it was Devil on My Back, and believe it or not, I was like in grade six when it came out, and it's kind of representative of what's happening to today in society, it, but it was built on like the 80s, and the, like the, the 80s idea where you'd have like a machine on your back, and you could download all the information. It's almost like the, the Matrix, and 
one kid, he got kind of lost from his group of people and everything of an automated life, so to speak. And he ends up in what he thought was like the wilderness, which is outside this dome that's protected with all these people that are living this type of life. And he meets people that are like, you know, hunting and gathering. And like, he kind of comes to the realization he doesn't want to live the way he's been living and that this is better for him. And I don't know, it's kind of representative, I guess, of... In other words, he chose freedom. Yeah, he chose yeah. freedom. And it was, it, yeah. and considering when I heard it, I think I was in grade seven. For the, for the fact that it stuck with me, I'm like 40 years old, folks. I know I act like I'm 12, but I really am 40. It really stuck with me. And I guess... Um, Be just a pup. Yeah, I, I think freedom's a, a great thing, and I think more people should want it. Um, I think... Oh, well, there's a thirst for it. Well, you there should really have is. that thirst. You should always want to uh, continuously um, stand up for freedom. You should always want freedom of speech. You know, there's there's a lot to be said about freedom of speech. And if anybody looks back at history, you'll realize that even the people that have been oppressed will fight for the people that who oppressed so that they can at least have freedom of speech so we don't have to be in a form of controlled or Marxism. And, of course, uh, a Second Amendment is a good thing. Yes, I just wish we actually had a Second Amendment or Amendment. I wish we did, too. <laughs> we don't have a constitution we actually follow. It only We only follow it when it's suitable for government but anyways we will we'll digress from that if you will and then you know i don't really have a lot of favorite tv shows i'm actually believe it or not i'm kind of a star trek fan um star trek the next generation was the one for me anything before that i don't know what the fuck you're talking about it was just kind of like the grease in the wheel before the real stuff showed up and uh you know i, I i'm enjoying discovery i'm actually two seasons behind right now so i got a little, little catching up to do and what is it picard picard is really good but that's also kind of connecting back to star trek the next generation two two quick points here is star okay. trek to me i'm not into star trek but in my mind i think of a bunch of dudes walking around in a room so i'm not sure what you're into for tv shows as for just well thinking, I, I wish you guys would check out uh sean Hannity at least once and give me feedback next time we meet okay we can do that the, uh, for TV show, I, I was going to say now this thing of it, I, I really enjoy watching Oak Island. Okay. I, en- I enjoy watching oh, it. Oh, those guys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> those better. I thought you were going to oh, say Young and the Restless. One of them, huh? No, I, uh, I, I remember, I remember, though, here's the, the reason why, though. I remember my grade four teacher in elementary school telling us, uh, so this would have been back in like 1994. Um, about Oak Island, the the theory on it, the whole thing about treasure, this, that, the other. And uh, it was more so like just a history lesson on it. And he spent like the whole, felt like the whole damn afternoon on it. But it it was the most interesting thing. And just because he, he broke down all the, you know, the facts and the information on it, not so much worried about the, the treasure, but just all the the loss of life and things like that. And, um so history, to, the yeah, civilization so, that was there before them. So to watch it now on History Channel and and seeing these guys and the stuff they're finding out with the science to back it and the information and uh, ground penetrating radar and the metal detecting and things like that that they're doing, I just find that really interesting. So that's actually when so you're probably know. also a fan of shows like ancient. Um, what is it? Ancient uh, aliens. Yes, ancient aliens. 
civilizations and stuff. I love that shit too, but I'm just saying. I find it interesting, but I mean, I take it with a grain of salt. There's some stuff I'll accept, other stuff, you know, it's a little bit too far, too far out there for me. No um, lizard people for you, eh? No. The, the question I have about Oak Island is they can barely get down from the surface 100 feet with any degree of knowledge or they miss their, their target area. Uh, and this is some modern technology. Going back to 300 years in the past, how did those guys get 100 feet underground? Um, that hasn't been explained to me, and I don't get it. And neither has Stonehenge been explained to me, but somehow it's still standing. Well, there's also a theory Perfect. recently this week. I don't know if you guys have paid attention to it, but... They believe that the actual pyramids themselves were only actually seeing the top, almost like the Stonehenge uh, or Easter Island statues. They believe that they go hundreds of feet below. I had not heard that. I saw a documentary there two weeks ago, and they were referencing some structures in Egypt and um, how they figured that they would have been constructed based on the, the weight of the stone and the only... The obelisk. The, the scientific about. way that we could do it in terms of where they're they're building things and then they're building a, a box around something, building, and then they're removing the sand and allowing the object to essentially fall and move into place as the sand moves and still a series of ropes and levers and pulleys, but... Um, sort of just give their, their perspective on how they assume these things would have been done. But I don't know. I, I have wondered about some of that stuff there, Colonel, how they, in Oak Island perspective, how they would have done it all that time ago and how they're still having trouble today with, with all the modern technologies and such. But it's also one of those things where I still find interesting. I think, again, it's from a childhood, you know. No, it's, it's extremely interesting. I've been watching this show for a number of years, but... um. They didn't come down from the top. If they came in from the coast, are those areas under underwater? Why didn't they do a, a a lidar scan underwater with a robot around the entire island to see if there's any potential um, collapsed tunnels that are submerged, and then go in that way, follow it from. It's origin, so to speak. I mean, it seems legit, and it seems like something that should be relatively easy for us to figure out, but I feel like um, when you look at society and from what a lot of the things that are being kind of explained or said now is that we've been kind of living the uh, the constant reset, but we're not going to necessarily get into the reset talk today. That's a topic for another show that we will be talking about in the very near future. Um, so going back to the questions I asked you guys, um, I I don't know if I have a favorite Pornhub clip. I think for me, um, you know, I'm not a normal guy uh, in a lot of ways, but I don't, I don't like to watching feed or anything weird like that. You know, I'm, I'm almost very basic, if you will, like, um, like primal in a sense where it's, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be mission missionary. It can be a little bit of doggy or, you know, a little bit of cowboy even. But uh, I don't have a particular actor or actress that I'm into. I know if you ask G.I. Joe, he could probably start listing his top 10. And we'll have him on the show in the near future because I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing me say that. But I, I, I really feel that uh, 
you know, you know, as long as someone's half decent, they look like they bathe and uh, they don't look like if they have more hair than uh, Altered Beast from the 80s Sega game, then uh, I'm, I'm willing to give it a 10 second watch, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, one more question. This, and we're this, gonna get this, to the- this, this is an no win. You can't win this. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, guys, I was going to go harder with this other question, but I'm going to go late on you. Harder. harder <laughs> not, not in the same sense that uh-huh. uh, we're talking about in Pornhub there for a hot second. Um, so here's the other question I have for you guys before we get into it. And today's show, folks, just in case you aren't aware, is uh, NASCAR drivers and uh, how they're ranked by the powered uh, chat GBT bot and how our two uh, podcast co-hosts here um, rate them themselves and why they agree or disagree with it. So stay tuned. That's coming down the pipe very shortly. But here's the question, folks. Um, what is your mo- what is the most interesting place you've ever visited? We're going to start with you, Colonel. Go to Mo for, for a while. I'll have to think about that one. <laughs> and meanwhile, here I was thinking, I hope the, the Colonel takes some time because I need time to think about this one. You know, I I'm not... I'm not very worldly traveled, so my my you know North America, South America, um, has been my my basic uh, travels. I will tell you that in a morbid sense, or just as a historical sense, there is an interesting feel about standing on the Gettysburg battlefield, as we referenced in the last podcast. Yep, there's just um, you know I got to stand on where where the North would have been uh, situated or stationed and then again a little bit further back on Cemetery Ridge and just to stand there and just sort of take it in just sort of pause for a moment and accept and understand maybe get a feel as to what it would have been like you know July of 1863 standing there um it just had a certain allure to it It just had something about it um interesting though like you know I again and another morbid thing uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Um, I, I was able to travel there just after uh, we lost Dan Weldon um, in turn two and getting to go out on the track and just to take a lap and just to sort of see what it, like, again, very morbid sounding, but just it's a very euphorical sort of experience, I guess, for myself or something how I rationalize it. It just sort of made me appreciate things, but just to sort of see sight lines and see things that... Um, Again, like I guess where where history has taken place, um, I don't know though. I mean, most interesting place like that you've been. I mean, God, like I can't think of her what her name was, but she had a beautiful bedroom. Hmm. <laughs> no, you know, I it was your wife, and that was me talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard your voice, and I thought to myself, "Is this in my mind, or are you actually in the room?" Well, how do you think we both had the same sandwich when we showed up at work? Well, I noticed there was a bite <laughs> missing out of mine. Um, no, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, I think everyone's going to obviously an- enter an- answer, sorry, answer that, uh, comment differently. <laughs> what, what is the most interesting place? I mean, are we, are we talking about, you know, a first time experience, interesting place? Are we talking about something that, you know, is historical or euphoric? I don't know. You know, I, I mean, again, though, for me, I, I would rank the, like the, those two places, Las Vegas, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And again, it was just after we'd lost Dan Weldon and, um, and and the Gettysburg that battlefield. Was, that was a, that was a tough one. Yeah, I, I like Dan Logan a lot. 
Yeah, like I just, um, I suppose on the surface, it's just, it's not that interesting. It's just a racetrack, but it just felt, um, it just felt very, it had a humbling, it just had a moment. I don't know. Just something, something about, had a moment. So. Very well. Colonel, have you had enough time um, to think there? Yeah, um, this is going to sound unusual. I've been to a few places. Uh, I guess uh, the one that I remember that made the most uh, impact on me um, would seem... <clears throat> Would seem to most people not not to make an impact. Um, I was historically in a lake in Ontario, and just off a dock, in about four feet of water, um, there was a a fish that had kind of with its fins hollowed out an area that it was stationary above and the fish was a small fish but the size of your hand looking at me and when I first appeared the fish moved away but I stayed pretty stationary and the fish came back looking at me and I just realized that it, it made me realize we're all connected all life in a way uh, it's trying to survive it's it's probably going to you know, um, lay eggs or something or give birth or, and I just, uh, I just moved away and gave it its space. And, uh, uh, to me, it was a very kind of spiritual experience. That's actually pretty deep. I respect that. Yeah. It really impressed me. I you mean, know, if I, I didn't want to bother job. it or, fish it or hook it or anything it's just it was a beautiful creature i love those little moments you know it really goes to show that you don't necessarily need to be super far from home to find something that just resonates with you you know what i mean okay so i think um for myself i've been a couple places, but nothing really out of North America. So I'll be honest, I've not been to the side of the pond, if you will. Um, but I really enjoyed being in the Bahamas. And, you know, when most people think of the Bahamas, they think of all-inclusives. They think of, um, you know, getting right. white girl wasted. They think about all these little things, right? They, they think about, you know, all these different pools. I just found for me that, you know, I went, I went I've, gone, I've gone to Paradise Island, I've gone to Disney's private island, and not Jeffrey Epstein's. I, won't I was go there. just thinking Epstein's. <laughs> I, I'm like, I didn't want. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to be that guy. No, 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 not me. Um, but I, I also went to Cuba, and we were on a resort. And you know, t for some of the excur excursions, they were not actually at the resort. They'd they'd bus you through town and stuff, and. We met some of the locals, and I got to tell you, man, people is what sells a lot of vacations, and, you know, Cuba is not a rich place. Well, maybe not for the actual people that do all the work or live near the resorts or whatnot, but uh, I met some really neat and interesting people, and I can tell you that if I was going to go anywhere and go off, off the beaded path, it would probably, probably be Cuba. You know, it's a little unnerving when you're going through the airport and 
the guards are walking around with eight, uh, not AK-47s, but machine guns. And, you know, like they're very abrupt, but they're just doing their job. And I get that, right? So for me, Cuba um, would be definitely another place I'd love to go into Havana without having to use a guide after a couple times and just start to get to know people because I feel like um, Cubans are very like um, like genuine people. Like they're just, you know, like you're going to have scammers. We have scammers here. Like it doesn't make a difference, right? Everybody has their bright and negative sides to them. But uh, I just I just like the way they do business. I think they're good people. And uh, it's not to say anything less for anybody else. I haven't been to your country. I'm sorry. I plan on coming. If you want to pay for this podcast, we'll come do your podcast or our podcast out in your country. And uh, I can talk about your people and, and the positives and negatives and whatnot. But yeah, I really like that. So I'm glad we had the opportunity. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> despite the fact that the colonel didn't want to be honest and say that uh, he likes to watch the spring break stuff on Pornhub. And I'm really glad you guys took the, the time to answer my questions. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> So, guys, welcome to the show. Um, the main body of today's show is going to be um, top five NASCAR drivers. So understand that when I ask these questions to the bot, which is which is ChatGBT, um, it basically gives you a consensus of what the community says on the internet and then gives it to me in a nice pretty package. Um, sort of like Mofo's um, mother. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> so... With that being said, how do you guys want to start? Do you want to start from fifth place and work away the first, or you want to go right deep and go hard? Want to go for fifth? What about uh, you there, uh, Colonel? Um, your call. Your call. All right. The house says fifth. Let's go fifth. So um, if I butcher these guys' names, I'm more than certain that uh, Motorsports Mofo, the Colonel, will correct me. So please work with me. So according to Chat GPT, uh, Kale Yarbrough uh, won three championships in a row from 1976 to 1978 and won a total of 83 races in his career. He is considered one of the greatest drivers in NASCAR history. So we're going to start with you, Mofo. Agree, disagree, but more importantly, why? I'd, I'd put Kale on number three. Or- I, are we talking? So he was listed what, as, num- as number five or number three on the all time, like as by the bot. Sorry. Repeat that. I'm uh, apparently out in space talking to GI Joe. <laughs> I I would list Kale. I would put Kale Yarbrough in my top five. Okay. Would he be fifth, or would he be higher up in the selection? I feel like I would pit him number five, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but I think he would rank number five. Because in my mind, then, I've got Allison, Bobby Allison, in number four. Okay, okay. How about you, Colonel? What are your feelings with what Motorsports Mofo said and chat GBT? I would put Kale Yarbrough number three. Oh, he's Solid three. three. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What is your defining factor to make him number times three? He was enduring, resilient, and incredibly skilled. Top guy. Okay, excellent, excellent. And again, like I'm not, the thing is, is like I'm not, I'm looking from a number of perspectives. Um, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, you know, 
bring negative to the the point is just again like if, if you're going to ask me my personal thoughts like and again like it's more it's, i think like once i start breaking down my top three and four and switching things around that's probably where you know you're going to see but i mean again like i think i here's the irony is i think more when i when i think of like older drivers pertaining to nascar colonel i think more say about kale yarbrough and allison than i do of david pearson which sounds crazy because I know Pearson has more wins, but again, it's just the way I sort of think back of like championship runs and things like that. Right. But you know, I, well, uh, Yarbrough had panache. If I can use that word, he had a certain, um, certain style. And, uh, I cannot see any weaknesses in his game. He was incredibly determined and really, really good in the car. My God, he was good. And driving the Mercury Cyclone didn't hurt either because it was very aerodynamic. Yeah, like I, like I say, like I, I often I think back to being as a kid seeing him in the twenty eight Hardy's car, right? And that's sort of where right. I remember him. Other than that, like you know, obviously the nothing but a smile on that man's face, and you think of um, the first televised Daytona Five Hundred. Um, you know, just I, I, I just have to again. Once I get more into my top three and, and start breaking them down more, I think that's where I start to get a little bit more divisive. I, I could agree that you could probably. Does he belong in the top five for me? Absolutely. Whether he yeah. goes in three or five, hmm, I could. Just opinion. It's just opinion, but it's more so because of my top three that force him down to five, I guess, ultimately. So that's where I come in. It's my top three dictate where then Kale ultimately gets put. Okay, so let's go to three then. <laughs> Skip the intro right to the main event. So you guys want to go top three or you want to go to the next one because we have number four? Well, we can, we can essentially, I think like we're going to dance around it until we get to the top three anyway. So we might as well just jump to the top three because I think that's where the real debate actually starts. I think it's important we don't pass this name up because this is the reason I even know anything about NASCAR. So we're going to go with four, and this is a John Doe push. So John Doe says so. Two middle fingers in the air in case you didn't know where that reference came from. (laughs) Okay. (coughs) So number four is the only reason I actually have a clue about NASCAR because I don't know sweet fuck all, and I know everybody out there knows that I don't know anything about NASCAR, but... Number four, according to ChatGBT, is Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon won four championships and 93 races in his career and helped to popularize NASCAR in 1990s and early 2000s, which I believe is correct. Now, we're going to start with the Colonel this time because we gave you first shot there, little lady mofo. And we're going to ask, Colonel, do you agree with this position or disagree? Uh, Jeff, Jeff Gordon, you said? Gordon. Boredom. No, the corn. The colonel does this to me just to be a smart ass. He knows goddamn well who he's talking about. He's just a little soured over the uh, Sebastian Vettel, Fernando Alonso duke out there a few That's seasons a ago in Formula One, and uh, after that, it's always been Jeff Boredom. That's uh, the colonel just giving me a little twist of the screw there, so I can take it. <laughs> uh. When you're talking all-time greats, uh, Pierce 
him and Allison ahead of him. Uh, the guy's not bad, but I, uh, you know, like I say, um, no, I, I put David Pearson in, in one of the Allisons. I forget which one of the Allisons. I think it was Donnie drove NASCAR. Well, well, they both. There was a Bobby, or they, but they both did at one time. Yeah, they both did. Just yeah. Bob, Bobby. I'll throw, I'll throw a monkey wrench into the works. Tim Richmond had a Jeff Boredom. What you see, like okay. First off, I I can respect I can respect Bobby Allison and Donnie Allison. May he rest in peace. Um. You know, fond memories of him in the, the 28 Texaco car. Here's the thing. Tim Richmond, I think, was was great for the sport. I think he brought a whole new element of light to it um, in terms of showing the, dare I say, like the Hollywood side of what the sport could be. But, I mean, I, I, I think yeah, you have to break it down by... I don't so much break the the driver down by personality when I'm thinking about the top three or top five. And same with any sport. So I'm not concerned as much what they do on or off track or off track, sorry. That being said, I suppose like part of my point with Petty would will come in to to my evaluation in terms of his off track stuff. But with Jeff, I feel like I would put Jeff in a Jeff get like with Jeff Gordon, it gets it gets dicey for me because I was, just full disclosure, I was a full huge Jeff Gordon supporter and fan uh, growing up and all the way up until he retired. That being I know said, that no, and I know, <laughs> I know you know that. That's why I like to twist the screw. But he, so the thing is, is that when it comes to Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson, is you get into a thing of then you're 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 breaking it down by championships versus wins and then the era in terms of competitiveness of when they were running and making their wins so i'm going to have to i i got to put jeff in in third and it, it breaks my heart to write that or say that and the reason it breaks my heart is because i know jeff has more wins at 93 but then you break down jimmy johnson's championships and those championships can't be argued especially pertaining to the the level of competition and how close the finishes would have been compared to, you know, 1950s, 1960s finishes where you're sometimes running a, waste, a race by numerous laps, right? So I'm going to put Jeff in third, and that's no disrespect to Kelly Arbrough or Pearson. Um, it, it just, it's just where I stand. I'm, I've, I've got to put... I, I gotta put Jeff. That's in your third. opinion. I'll, yeah, even if you're wrong, I'll respect that. Okay. <laughs> well, his wife tells me. <laughs> oh Jesus! All right, so we got that kind of hung out there. How about you, Colonel? I know you kind of said it, but uh, you clearly don't agree with him being in top four. Um. No, I, I think Allison and Pearson would be above him. Different eras, though. Yeah, it's just my opinion. Just different eras, though, too, right? I think that's the one big thing, because I know, Colonel, we've often talked about Kyle Busch 
Kyle Bush, like I know, you know. Nobody so. likes a dirty bush. <laughs> I I know like every every so, race so, fan. So does the family make that beer bush beer? <laughs> I thought that was the Ford family. Oh. Every 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 fan is gonna have a, a love or hate relationship pertaining to Kyle Bush, right? And I just want to get like give out some context though. It's like I'm not saying Kyle's in my top five and it again, like this is where it gets dicey, like because I'm I'm per, predominantly ranking it by the cup series, right? Because as an example, when Richard Petty was racing, they didn't really have the truck series. Well, it's not really. They just didn't have the truck series, right? And same with Kelly Yarbrough, right? And um, But, you know, when you think of like Kyle Bush. That's too- when men were men and mofos were nervous. <laughs> I like that. No, but the thing I is, knew you would. Kyle Bush had 216 career wins, so 102 in the Xfinity Series, 63 in truck, and 61 in cup. So I believe he's right now is the the leader for active drivers. I know those... he's a very good driver, Kyle Busch. Oh, and that's I mean, but I the... haven't seen him that that much. But from what I've seen, yeah, he's extremely good. But like, do you rank him in the top five then with all those wins? It's hard not to, right? But again, you get into like just. How you're how you're categorizing yeah, the way you rank and the way I rank are not quite the same way. I rank correct way, and you rank I don't know like you rank like a uh, someone that's been sniffing gasoline or diesel. I I, I rank heart and soul as as the uh, main ingredient, I suppose. Okay, I'll, you know I respect that. I respect that comment, and I will give that. I will give you points there then. And you're right, you can't discount championships, I mean, but it's not the whole kit and caboodle. Okay, then, so getting into our number two, then, who is your number Who's your number two? I've put Gordon as third, and I'm going to just throw it out there that I'm putting, I'm putting Jimmy Johnson second, and I'll explain why oh later. I, just oh, a my sec, God. Just, but, okay. Oh. Here's why I'm putting Jimmy Johnson second. I want to hear who you were putting and then likewise your take on it. But here's the reason I'm putting Jimmy Johnson second. Jimmy Johnson, seven career championships, uh, tied obviously with Dale Earnhardt and Petty. And the reason I think that Johnson supersedes Earnhardt is Johnson's 83 wins to Dale's 76. That's not taking away from Dale Earnhardt and everything he did, but you look at the championship run of that that Jimmy had, right, and what he was able to do between 2006 and 16. Like that, that there is is unprecedented. We probably won't see that push again, right, in 11 seasons. And you look at the level of competition that would have that Jimmy was facing in terms of the close finishes and and the technology and such that was being thrown at these cars and such like that, wind tunnel time testing, et cetera, et cetera, compared to Dale Earnhardt. So I know I'm actually getting just completely destroyed probably right now by the internet saying like how is Dale not in front of Jimmy? But considering the fact that they both have seven no, championships. Not to worry, I'm gonna correct that. <laughs> I I'm look at I look at how they both have seven championships, but then I break it down by race wins, and then I break it down by the competition that they would have had at the time on track. 
Okay, my number two? Yep. The King, Richard Petty. I find it interesting that you picked uh, Richard Petty as number uh, let me, two. Let me, let me elaborate a little bit. Um, incredible racing driver. No weaknesses. Um, resilient to the nth degree, determined to the nth degree, and the man's record speaks for itself. Okay. Okay. And then, see, I I rank Richard number one. And this is, again, where it gets dicey, because I want to be clear. I I have nothing but respect for Dale Earnhardt, and when I think of not having him in my top five, it's hard. It's hard because, like, I... No, you're wrong. <laughs> that's, that's just, you're just wrong. Well, no, and, and I can respect your opinion. I guess it's just, I think of, say, Richard Petty, um, you know, going going from NASCAR's very beginning, then right up into the early 90s before retiring, right? And Richard would always sign autographs for the fans, for the kids. You know, he he would wait there until everyone's you know had been signed that wanted one type thing. He's still a class act. he's still class act still a huge ambassador for the sport. And as oh, I'm sure incredible. as I'm sure that Dale Earnhardt would have been if he was still with us, right? So I and I get that that obviously Dale's not here, and but if he had been, that he would have been a huge ambassador still for the sport. And would have still been, you know, probably running DEI, God rest his soul. However, I look at down, I, I break it down, you know, um, when it was like the, the, the Grand National Series of 1950, 1970. So Richard having 119 wins. And then you say, okay, well, let's talk about the Winston Cup era then from 71 to 03. Well, when you categorize it that way, you have Dale Earnhardt with 76 wins and Richard Petty with 81, right? And obviously then they never, either of them never competed in like what we would call the chase era or the modern era, if you will, right? Of uh, in, in more recent years. But when I think of what Richard would have been racing in, in terms of some of the safety things that were or were not present and, the fact that he would have been building his own cars, him and his dad, you know, at the shop working on their own equipment and much like Richard or uh, Dale Earnhardt did. So there's no, there's no disrespect there, but if I'm going to put them head to head, both with seven championships, but then I come back to, okay, what is going to be the silver lining of, of, of calculation that of how you're going to measure this metrics out. And then it comes down to, okay, well, it's going to come down to race wins, you know, and then to go one further, I'm going to then also factor in, personalities off the track as much as like I obviously never met Dale Earnhardt unfortunately um you know I I know the times where I was at the track like you know it was hard hard to sort of get anywhere near him or see him a very popular driver and that can be understand versus Richard you know you could still you can still access Richard if you want right and obviously that's just something that's where I put into my equation okay and, and um, as, for, as, as for Johnson superseding Dale Earnhardt too, again, it comes down to the championships are tied. Okay. So then we look at the era that they would have been racing in and Jimmy's predominant wins from 2004 on it. Just you, you look at the, the, the competition level. It's just, it's hard to beat. It's, it's truly hard to beat that level of competition 
where these guys are arguing over, you know, half a tenth or a thousandth of a second difference. Right? You want to win this really bad, don't you? <laughs> I've already you won it, Colonel. The, I've already you, won you it. You want to beat the Colonel there. Well, who's the Colonel's number one? Let's get let's get right down to brass tacks, if you will. Uh, without a doubt, hurt. Um, Mofo does not give any credence to something that you can't qualify in black and white. It's heart and soul. I have never seen uh, ever. A guy put two wheels on the grass and passed another guy in NASCAR. That's like putting two wheels on super hard acrylic with uh, synthetic oil spread all on top of it. If you put one wheel on grass, your car is going to snap out of control. He put two in past them. I, I know we've debated this, though. Was it more that he put the two wheels on the grass, or did Bill Elliott shove him into the grass? I think there's a difference there. doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. The fact is, he had two wheels on the grass. He controlled the car, and he got by him. You see, here's the thing, though. Is I, I believe he won that race. I know, though, you know? I know, though, Colonel, we've debated that, we've debated this, that, like, this is, again, we're really going to get into a pissing match. I've often said, I've often said, and I stand by it, I stand by it, I said, I said, you put Kyle Busch in the race car versus Dale Earnhardt. Kyle Busch walks Dale Earnhardt all day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First off, Kyle Busch would know who he's racing against. And, and uh, you know... For all the skill and everything else, Dale Earnhardt had the skill, but he had the heart and the soul. And nobody, as far as I'm concerned, could drive like him. He just had that control and that aggression and that will to win. See, I'm not saying... Truly amazing. But, Truly amazing. but you watch Kyle's focus and love Kyle or hate him in terms of his interviews and the way, you know, I've had the luxury of meeting Kyle a number of times and thankful I've always been okay. But on the other hand, like I, I've seen the, the other side too, where he doesn't want to talk to fans or he's, he's brash with the media, things of that nature. I get it. Right. But on the same breath, I still think that Kyle is the better driver. And I reference again, the, the truck series. Well, Dale didn't didn't mean to wreck him. He just wanted to rattle his cage. <laughs> Terry Terry Labonte found that out the hard way, right? No, you know, I I, I just um I, I just I looking 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 back down the track and the whole field's coming at you, and you've just been touched. You could literally hear by, the, the whole uh, a superior brisk. driver. You could hear the Bristol Bull just booing poor Dale out of there. Like, you, you knew that that had not gone in his way. And I think from what I remember hearing is that, like, they had to essentially uh, sneak Dale Earnhardt out of Bristol Motor Speedway that night because people were so pissed off. But I, I, that's just my personal thing. Is I, I honestly think that, that Kyle Busch would no problem would walk Dale Earnhardt. Just my perspective. They're both. Like, you you got to give it credit though. They're both very aggressive driving styles. Um, 
I think though, like when you see Kyle behind the when wheel, when it comes of, to aggression, Dale Earn had it had it over everybody. But you have to also understand that Kyle Busch never got to race against Dale Earnhardt, so it's an open mm-hmm. it, it's an open ended thing. I'm not knocking Kyle Busch. I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying Dale Earnhardt is a step or five above everybody else. He really is. Well, not to knock the stuff anybody. he's done in the car has been phenomenal, and his legion of fans—they knew it. They were watching a guy once in a thousand years comes along, and that was Dale Earnhardt. Well, not to knock anybody, but according to Chat GBT, let's see where you guys ranked in terms of your top five. So we already talked about the fifth position, the fourth position, according to Chat. GBT. Number three is Jimmy Johnson. They say Jimmy Johnson is one of the most successful drivers of the modern area with seven championships, 83 wins to his name. He retired uh, full-time racing at the end of 2020 season. Then we have number two. Now, this is where I know the colonel is going to get his uh, pubic hair in a knot. Hmm. And it's Dale Earnhardt, according to, to the community. The community says that Dale Earnhardt... The community uh, is wrong. <laughs> the community uh, is wrong. Uh, apparently, he was a dominant force in NASCAR during the 80s and 90s. He won several or seven championships and 76 races before his tragic it's death in 2001. It's how he won them. How he just annihilated the opposition. Well, then you, then you can't discount though, what Jimmy Johnson did, though. 77 wins, like, in in the Chase era, right? And then... Like, Look, Lewis Hamilton has more world championships than any other driver. I wouldn't rate him as the greatest of all time. Well, neither would I, though, and that's what makes us right on that. Okay. Okay, well, so we're going to agree to disagree in a sense. But no, he's uh, not a wanker either, I'll say that, you know. <laughs> Richard Petty is known as number one. Uh, he's the king. Richard Petty is one of the most successful and drivers. And I can understand that. I can totally understand that. In NASCAR history, he has won a record of 200 races in his career, including seven championships, boys. I'd yeah, ask he was G. a Joe very solid guy in all respects. Again, I come back to like also putting Richard at the top. Like, I would obviously like to put Jeff because I think Oh no! No, or not Jeff? Oh, no, 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 not no. Jeff. Sorry, not Jeff. Um, I'd like to. I, I'd like to put Jimmy up there because I think again his seven championships compared to Dale Earnhardt and and uh, Richard came in a tighter era in terms of the competition. However, Jimmy wasn't building his own cars like Richard would have been. Jimmy wasn't racing during some of these era where the safety was looking back super questionable and sketchy, right? And when you factor in those other metrics, you know, and I know Jimmy's done a lot with various charities, this, that, the other. But again, in my personal perspective, is Richard was much more um, there with the fans, making sure, you know, kids and, and people got their autographs and got to meet. And I think that goes a long way with, with future generations following the sport. So, you know, but when I think of championships, like I think you have to factor in the, the finishes and how close these finishes would have been compared to some of the races that Richard was winning 
where he's winning by eight and ten laps. And then also the factor you know, in because because somebody won five or six more races doesn't doesn't mean a heck of a lot for me. It's it's how the guy won the races that he won. And nobody won like Dale Earnhardt. Superstar. Absolute superstar. Fair enough. And like I said, everybody everybody on the track, everybody in the stands knew this guy was something else. Fair enough. No, and I I I can definitely respect the opinion, so I get that. Um I think it's also worth noting, just in general, it's like in the Grand National era anyway, from what I've like read and know of, is like they were racing a hell of a lot more races than they do than they do now, like in the the uh, modern era type thing. Like, because I know at times, like they'd be racing like you know fifty one races or something crazy, right? And even now, I know like NASCAR, like they have like what is it, a thirty two race schedule or a thirty six race schedule and something like that. I have to look it up again. Yeah, and at Daytona, they didn't break it up into four parts either. The real men were out there running the whole time. <laughs> bunch of wankers well obviously we yeah. agree to disagree i mean i think like we i i still think it's one of those things though no, like, i i get i get richard petty i totally understand that and that's not a bad choice you know i uh i i don't disrespect that choice okay I, so i got me, i got a little bit of a number here for you guys so the nascar cup series which is the top level of nascar racing Typically has 36 races, but it says it varies from year to year. Yeah, plus Not including the Xfinity series and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Or the uh, World Truck series that uh, MoFo loves. I just, I think, obviously any list is going to be subjective. There's always going to be those top five or six that are going to be in the same general thing. But that's just sort of where I stand. Well... Thank God we weren't asking necessarily or entirely uh, where you were standing there, mofo. A wise person once told me nobody likes the tip, so that's why we go deep. Go deep. Go deep. Go deep. This is Go Deep Productions. Thank you for listening to Go Deep, the podcast, a member of Go Deep Productions, where we give our opinions like we have a clue. You can find us on all forms of social media. If you would like to reach out to the show, email us at GoDeepThePodcast at gmail.com. And remember, always go deep.